Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Vigilant Geek Podcast. I'm Holden Orm. Today, we have special guests from Stop and Swap Media. Uh, my cousin, Brad. Hello. And his partner in podcastery, Craig. Hi. Outstanding. So, you guys are big-time video game guys. Like, when I need to know things about video games, especially really obscure stuff, I usually talk to these guys. Like when, we, the, when we talk to you, when we need to know about comic books. Yeah, that's right, because that's pretty much all I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, I've been, we've been meaning to have you guys on for uh, a long time now, and it's time for um, me to finally ask you about PAX East, because I've wanted to know about it uh, since you guys went, and geez, it's been like several months. Yeah, what was yeah about three months post that now, so... Which is which is good. So, um, for people who aren't familiar with what PAX East is, could you go ahead and uh, give a little rundown on what it is? Um, sure. It's just a general um, sort of gaming nerd convention uh, started by the guys who made the webcomic Penny Arcade, and it just sprawled from a fan base of comics and games to way more than that, I feel now. Now it's its own sort of uh, culture and, uh, I don't know, Large family, I guess you could say now. So yeah, no, I mean they cover everything from video games to uh, role playing games mm-hmm. like pen and paper and collectible card games and uh, other stuff. I was playing Magic for a while. I tried getting back into it uh, about a year ago. Ooh. Yeah, Mistake. no, I felt I felt terrible about myself afterwards. People <laughs> who play Magic and are good at it usually aren't very good at anything else in life, and they're very miserable, horrible people. <laughs> we know a couple of people like that. Like, like getting scoffed at because, like, they've been landing counter spells on me for ten minutes is probably, like, like I don't know. Things got kind of dark. Like, uh, I think it's pretty dark. Life life during my Magic the Gathering phase that I got back in New Year yeah. wasn't a very bright time. Nope. Yeah, I was never really a big fan of Magic because uh, I was never really good at it. No, no, it's like all the, like you think you understand what's going on, and then you just like, and then you just get torched. Yeah, there's like, like in like five turns. Right, plus there's like twenty years of cards to deal with too, and it's just like, what the fuck, man? Like, I don't know what anything does anyway. So. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it feels like it's almost like studying law. <laughs> like you need a law degree. Only like it's a specific law degree, only given by Wizards of the Coast. And it won't get you anywhere in life. No, no, no. Well, I don't know. Some people make money off it. A very few, I feel. It's a real select few, and that's like such a weird niche to be in. Mm-hmm. And you have that money to get there anyway. Spend a lot of money, buy cards. The amount of yeah, the amount of money spent on cards, and like no. pretty much like you have to run a deck that's all mythic rares, mm-hmm. and it's just absurd. No thanks. I, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. So <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm so far out of it at this point. Oh yeah, well you're you're, you're better off, man. So uh, between the two of you, what what were you getting into at uh, PAX East this year? Because you've been before, like you got, uh, you probably could put together a pretty uh, good, a pretty good survival guide for how to survive during a, a PAX East weekend. Yeah, um, I've been to every PAX East because they started in 2010, and um, after 2012, I actually started traveling to Seattle, going to PAX Prime. I've been to that every year since, and then I've been to the. Only two PAX Souths that have existed, too. So I think... Where do they have PAX South? It's in San Antonio. 
Texas. Uh, I'm looking at, yeah, you're wearing the shirt right now. I am wearing the <laughs> shirt right now. Cause I was told you're going to pack services. I mean, I gotta be festive. Oh man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so San Antonio and I think East was my 16th packs I've been to, I think. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Well, there's been seven Easts, four primes, two seven, no, four, yeah, whatever it is. It's well, a, that's a high I, I've been to what? Three? You've been, you've been to four. Four. Four packs yeah. east. You've been to 20. I think say 2013 was the first one we brought you to. Yeah, I got hooked immediately. Yeah. And um, it's become basically part of like my, my life now. It's just I, I really enjoy going there, people I've met there, and um, just having nerdy shenanigans all weekend. So Yeah, that's pretty much uh, what Andrew and I do for, uh, for Comic-Con in Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, each year we learn something new, and each year we go a little bit harder than we did the year before. Yeah. Have you looked at going to any other Comic Cons like New York? I mean, it would probably be like the next major step. Eventually, but I think um, we're going to probably focus more on local cons. Mm-hmm. Um, I bl- they're having another convention at the Shriners Auditorium, Auditorium in Wilmington. Um, a lo- I think in, believe in December, plus Boston Comic Con, uh, in Marlboro, they're having Super Mega Fest, mm-hmm. and that's coming up fairly soon. Uh, Manchester's having a Comic Con fairly soon. Yeah. So, uh, uh, probably not gonna do the full three days like I do with Boston, but, uh, lately here at Vigilant Geek Media, we've been doing a lot of, um, reading on independent creators. We're about to do a new video series covering, uh, showcasing people's work. So we're gonna go ahead and help out the local scene because you know so you that's, what do it. that's what we're getting into because we're kind of we feel like we're local creators ourselves. So you know, network, help people out, give yeah. back, learn a few things. Yes, that's why we're here. Very cool. Um, I don't know. We can talk more about <coughs> packs, I guess, instead we're here. But why don't you? Why don't you take? Yeah, this? I mean, well, it's it's three days, but we start on day zero. So it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We go in Thursday. Well, you you take part in the events that had like are kind of have to do with packs, but like don't you guys do a bar crawl every year? I uh, hope we. I, I retired from that. I I, I went. I, I, rough. I, I went two years and I, I I drink, but like I can't justify going to a like a bar crawl and getting drunk at five different bars and spending a hundred bucks in a night when I could like buy a six pack and sit in the hotel if I'm gonna do that. Like, I'd rather just sit in the hotel and play board games and get drunk. So, I, I've been, but I never drank, because I was just like, I don't want to spend the money. It's too, like, I'm not buying a mixed drink for $18. Yeah. My, uh... Is it really that steep? Oh, you I'm, figure, I'm like, you're, I even, you're Boston, you're tipping. Oh, jeez, yeah. Yeah, it, it yes. gets, it, it probably gets at least, like, 60, 70 bucks. You gotta figure, because, like, $10 a drink, I don't know. Tips, whatever. Well, yeah. yeah got my no, snacks on the way through too, so you don't die. <laughs> Some places the gratuity is already included, but they still expect you to give you extra. Yeah, yeah. and that's also to me get one drink per bar too, because I'm usually like, "Well, this has gone and I'm thirsty again. Might as well get another one." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the great mentality. Uh, um, the because uh, the first the the uh, there's a different pub crawl theme in every at every packs. At pack seats, it's Pokemon. So you have four different colored teams: red, blue, yellow, and green. And each year it's themed after like a different like uh like uh generation of Pokemon. So what, it's like a drinking race? Ah, uh, it's not really a drinking race, it's just, it's just like, like oh we had our beer here, got our stamp, let's go Well So e- each alright, so there's essentially four teams that are each split into two sub teams on each each one. So uh you 
every bar essentially it's it's all pre-planned out. So there's like a different challenge for each bar. So say you go to the first bar, you find something on the other team, be like, you each take a shot of like a drink that's like of the other team's color. So like if I'm on blue team, I would give you like uh, I don't know a Bombay Sapphire shot, and if you're on uh, team green, I would do like a, a Midori shot, just something of color. And then it changes every bar, and there's like it's, it's all it's all Pokemon themed, but it's all just basically drink, have fun. You know what I hate. What do you hate? Rules for drinking. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've never been a fan. <laughs> yeah. It's generally just like it a... It must be an orm guide, thing. It's a guideline. You don't have to follow it exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. It just it makes it fun, kind of, but um, I, I stopped going because the first year I went, the pub crawls were run by a guy um, on the Panarcade forums, and he did a really good job. And then after that, he kind of just like felt the face of the earth. And then people who took it over did a really shitty job. And just uh, like everything was just terribly run, and it was just awful, and the bars were shit, and they didn't pre-plan and i don't know i just thought it was bad so yeah I, I retired from the the boston ones anyway what if like one of the challenges was like trade up pokemon to evolve and do a shot yeah i mean you could do like a well you could you like could do they have like, stuff like that it changes all the time i honestly haven't felt followed it for a few years so yeah no i'm asking all these questions and like everyone at this table agrees that like like doing that kind of stuff just isn't that great i mean i mean i can tell you uh in seattle the theme was harry potter was it yes and uh the last year that they that i did it a couple years ago um let's say one of the challenges was uh it was like never have i ever so yeah like we had like a table probably like 10 people and it was just playing Never Have I Ever, and I got horribly offensive on by accident with some with a girl there, and it was it was I felt really bad. <laughs> uh, I told you the story. No, <laughs> I told you the story. All right. Um. So at the at the during the Never Have I Ever, there was it was down to me and a girl, and there's probably like I don't know like a like a half inch left in each of our drinks or whatever. Probably like two sips. So um, I think I my question was because she was wearing like a she was her hair was white. So I was like, oh, she's like we're looking like a witch or whatever. So I used the term, I never have I ever like dyed my hair like a crazy color. And she says, I'm albino. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> I try open like, <laughs> only that would happen to me. <laughs> only that would happen to me. So then uh, she did something and I didn't drink for it. And then it got back to me and I did, never have I ever been albino. And, <laughs> and, I, won, and I won the challenge. So I was, uh, I was pretty happy with that. And oh I was God. just like, no shame, whatever. It was like, uh, well, you figured you already like, you already stepped on your dick so yep. hard that it was just time to go for the throat and finish the game. Yep. Might as well. And I was, <laughs> I was already pretty cocked at the time. So it was kind of just whatever. So yeah. yeah. Drunk, drunk Craig kind of sucks unless you're prepared for him. Yeah. That's your opinion. That's my opinion. I think he's a pretty cool guy. Listen, listen. If I know he's, if I know, if, if I know he's coming to the party, I'm good. If he shows up unannounced, I'm yeah, like, fuck this Boston, guy. I passed out though this year. I don't remember. You didn't have to deal with it. I just left in the bed. Oh. You got funny camera footage. Yeah. I kicked the camera. Oh, that was yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, instead of doing the pub crawls, we do on day zero. We go to the Harpoon Brewery, mm-hmm. and we get pretzels and beer. Mm-hmm. Then we play board games in the hotel, and Pretty this. This year, they changed the location of where they board games. Normally, they're in the Mez, and they changed the location, so we couldn't find them. So, you weren't there, were you? No, I was. I was oh, you were, you were passed out. So we're looking for the board game area, and we're like, we meet up with a bunch of like strangers who were also looking, and this guy in like this waiter outfit, like really nicely dressed in the hotel, is like, uh, board game, follow me. So we like start going through the labyrinth of like the hotel, and like he stops. He's like, you guys want any fish and chips? 
We're like, okay. So we started eating fish and chips, <laughs> and he had like beef Wellingtons, and he's like giving us food, and he like, he literally brought us through these hallways just to ask somebody to send us back out through. So like, he finally tells us where it goes. So we like walk back out, and we're all like have like cups of fish and chips we're eating, and this like <laughs> this other guy, he's like, uh. And we're like, there's a like candy in the bowls, and he, the guy's telling us, take candy. Like, we're just throwing it out. Just take it. <laughs> so we're walking out, and then this other guy dressed just like him was like, what are you guys doing? And like, uh, we're going, Playboy's like, you guys are supposed to be down here. It's like, where, where'd you get that food? That food's not for you. And I look at him, I go, a guy dressed just like you told me to eat it. And I like, took more candy, and we walked off. We're like, what am I supposed to do? Like, he looked just like you. He told me to eat it. Uh, uh, then yeah, we found yeah. the board games, and we played board games. Yep. There you go, man. That's day zero. Yeah, then they, had to, then they had to find out who the guy dressing up as staff is and telling people to come into the kitchen and help themselves to fish and chips. <laughs> yeah, this could be, this could, food could be from anywhere. I, I didn't get any because I could have been like drugged or something. It wasn't drugged because I'm, I'm, I'm doing still good. Okay? I'm doing good. It was, I don't know. Well, did you from like the sound of it, like it sounded pretty delicious. I mean, it was free, so that price, everything is really delicious. Oh, it's yeah. Like, I already no, got like, like a nice bump on if it. If it's for free, it's for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Free free stuff is like, it's like free sauce. It's got that free sauce. Yeah. Because it's free. Yeah, it's it the best. It makes it taste better. <laughs> yeah, like, like ketchup packets are way better than the bottle because they're like free. Yeah, because you can just take as many as you want just dump it in. And, yeah. Yeah, it's no. a little bit more work. I, that's also, it's like there's like slightly more effort in the ketchup packets. Well, Probably they've been trying to regulate it more, you know? <laughs> Like they they only ask you if you want some, yeah. And then they give you like two like a packet for like a thing of fries. So we have to go inside and get it. Yeah, yeah. you gotta get the cups and go. Yeah, I know yeah, with the little yeah the little. It's <laughs> not for like four French fries. And the like, tiny little Damn. cups. Yeah, but hack for the cups. You like can unfold them and they get you can put even more in there. <laughs> yeah, you just like make a big plate. Yeah, you like you make a big plate like essentially a plate of ketchup. You could, and then you could turn it into like a sweet oil painting. Like Bob Ross. Yeah, Bob Ross style. Bob Ross with, with ketchup and plates. Paint some happy little, like, blood trees. Yeah, yeah. Or you can paint some ketchup on your fries. Yes, yeah, so you can That's what I would do. Fries. And then eat them. Well, you gotta figure that the fries are your paintbrush. Yeah, no, and then you gotta, like, uh. Then they can paint my mouth. Let's. Chewed let's up potato. A, let's draw a beautiful sunset. Let's. <laughs> some happy clouds. First you put it in your mouth, then you chew, and then later we're gonna paint some poop. <laughs> then you just take a duke. Oh, man. Great. Freaking. I think those episodes never aired on PBS. <laughs> those are the good ones. Yeah, no, you gotta you gotta go online and charge extra for those. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's day zero. So Brad, you have been developing a game called Super Amalgam Deluxe, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me and my friend Adam, and my friend Dave. And it's a clusterfuck of board games. It is Crossfire, Hungry Hungry Hippos, some pinball, and uh Power Rangers Spin Fighters, which is just like tops, like like Beyblades. <laughs> All in one. Why do I feel like that's new? Although I don't know, no. I've only seen the prototype. Which one? Mark one or Mark Two? Well, uh it was the one that you had in your jam space. That's the one that I saw. It was made out of like wood. It and like was, PVC and it, pipe. It looked like it was made out of. I don't know. It might have been like the pilot version because it looked like it was like Very, just a bunch of cannibalized. Yeah. Things from so there's from the games. yeah pretty much so there's a Mark II, and it is uh, predominantly 3D printed like the board is. Um, we still use the hippos and the guns from the Hungry Hungry Hippos and Crossfire, and the tops from 
spin fighters. But yeah, we have a really nice 3D printed board that we brought back, brought to packs this year and tested out. And yeah, it's fun. Was it a big hit? It always is. It always is. People are always like, what the, what, what is this? It's just really silly looking. It is. It's ridiculous. And people like, it's like for that, it's not even like that much of a niche market, but like it's for people, like everybody knows what Hungry Hungry Hippos is. And a lot of people know what Crossfire is, but not everybody knows. And like they always pick, they always be like, it's not Crossfire and Hungry Hunger Hippos. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh shit. <laughs> this like, mind is blown. Like we just, like we just dropped the mic and they're like, no, what? Uh. Yeah. Like a lot of people walk by and they're like intimidated to even try it. Just yeah. I don't think that they know like what the hell's going on. Yeah. No, but, but the people who do play it, uh, seem to have a very good time. Mm-hmm. Um, even, uh, you're yeah, welcome this, for this. Yeah. I it's, got, it's you. Uh, uh, Two times. One of the creators of Penny Arcade to come and try it. Uh, Jerry, or Tycho, as you yes. might know him if you read the comics. Uh, I stopped him in 2015, and I was just like, hey, we can try my friend's board game, because he's super into board games. He loves that. Yeah. And this, and I've talked to him about it at the past two packs that I've been to since then. And he's like, this time he came and looked for us, because I told him we'd have it again. Yeah. To play it, and he was super excited, and we even chatted about it more afterwards that weekend. Yeah, and he says he loves seeing the update. He wants to see. He wants to continue seeing updated versions over time. Yeah. So the goal for us with the board game is um, to get it on like the indie showcase. So like Penny Arcade, like packs every year has. Um, they have an indie showcase for like indie video games. But they also have an indie showcase for board games. So. Didn't like Cards Against Humanity start out like that? They, they it just feels like it would. Um, that's how they started out. That's a, like that's a real popular thing. thing. Like indie comics, are, I, a lot of independent creators are just saying "fuck you" to the big publishers and just making their own. I don't know. So that's another big reason why I want to go ahead and showcase their yeah. work. Like a lot of these people have a lot of great, uh, it's a lot of great stories and everything. Good content. It's just you know no way to get it out. Yeah. There. So that. So, um, do you guys get into like what, like a Hall of Fame? Like it's as far as it's essentially you get your or? own uh, mini booth. Um, you don't have to pay for it. You get a small table to kind of like show off your board game to people. Yeah, there's um, certain guidelines you have to follow though to kind of get in there. I for they're they're online. I honestly never looked at really submitting it, but I've heard people talk about it, and it's. I mean, you obviously like can't have a publisher, and you need to have some sort of like a prototype. I don't remember exactly. What it is though, so yeah, but that would be cool though to have that. Someday. Yeah, that would you know maybe next year we uh we kind of haven't really worked on it since PAX. We kind of just kind of take a break from it. Um, probably gear up soon. Too busy doing stop and swap media shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, you guys have been real busy. Um, I'm pretty busy myself, but I, I remember hearing your pilot episode. Uh, you guys were coming out furious right out the yep. gate. Yeah, we just real impressive yep. stuff. We just, uh. We're on iTunes now. We, yeah, we just, <laughs> we just, uh, wrapped up. Episode 10 was released. Uh, last month. Like a week, uh, and a half week and a half ago. We're taking a, we're, we're gonna take, we're, yeah, as, yeah, as of recording this, it was beginning of July. End of June. End of June. I don't even know. Uh, we're gonna take a, we're gonna take like a month long break cause we're, uh, we have, we have, our plates are piling up and we need to trickle that and get that stuff done. So, which one of those big things is already done now? So, and actually, almost the second thing is done too. So, yeah. Do you mind if we just have selfless plugs in your podcast? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. No, that's one of the reasons why we. Okay. Have so, um, first, our our podcast. You can now, as of on Monday, Sunday, Monday, you can officially find us on iTunes. Uh, just search for the Stop and Swap Cast. 
uh, and it'll pop up, and you can listen to all ten of our glorious episodes of us talking about in high definition. Yeah, talking about video games. Um, we have a Facebook page at Stop Sweat Media. Pretty simple. Um, we're also next Monday. We're going to launch our YouTube channel. Finally, we talked about it in the podcast so much. Did we talk about it in every episode, and it's been yeah, twenty weeks. Yeah, we, yeah. We talked about it in like yeah, most of the episodes. We talked about this. Yeah, next week it'll be up. By the time you listen to this, it'll be up, and yeah. it just never happened because. Well, the video is done. It just had to be ready. Oh yeah, yeah. Computer te- my garbage. computer's garbage. So yeah, te- yeah, Vigilant Geek Media went through that. Thing. Yeah. I mean, now that we have it now, though, I think we're uh, we're, we're doing pretty good. Yeah. Good. We're getting so like uh, forty people looking at certain videos, which doesn't seem like a lot, but like I don't really know forty people who want to listen to me talk about uh, pop vinyl, this stuff. But who knows? I, I don't know. They're hey, out there, I, I, and we appreciate. I'm them one of them. I, I watch them. Uh, so yeah, that'll be launched next Monday, and. The goal right now is we're we're hoping to put out a video a week, and we'll see how long we can keep that going. Um, we'll see. I don't know. Well, you can make your video content different from your podcast. Oh, it absolutely is going to be. Yeah, it's not going to be close. I would say. No, no. And if it, if it, I mean, you know, you know, people people tend to like the YouTube videos at anywhere between five to ten minutes. Yeah, no, these aren't going to be that long. These yeah. are ten have, minutes max. We have like various ideas from like unboxings to potential. Let's Game plays, animations, or something. Like yeah, that. we have we have a lot of to just talking about stupid shit. Yeah, you know, we we have plenty of unboxings planned because we keep getting cool shit in the mail. Yeah, spend too much money. Uh, yeah, it's oh yeah, what um what's uh, <clears throat> sub boxes are you getting? No, 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 not we're not doing like monthly subscriptions, just stuff we buy. Yeah, like like we oh, just buy, we just buy oh, okay. expensive nerdy shit and then show it off on camera. Yeah, um, I, I didn't know if you're getting involved in anything specific like loot crate. No, I'm not a fan of those personally. I I, I uh. I don't know, I feel mm. like it's just like a box of crap for like 15 bucks a month. And it's like, I would never have bought this, but they sent it to me, so now I'm stuck with it. Uh. <laughs> but I mean, I know that like there are exclusive like pop vinyls. If you're really into that, they send those out like a few times a year, it sounds like. So I can see why someone like you would want to get that, because if you miss out on one, I would feel like really crappy, especially when they do cool ones like the, the old Han Solo one. Yeah, no, I just like getting stuff in the yeah, mail. Yeah, it's like a random box of treasure every month. I, I, I see the appeal. It's just I have enough shit. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, my room is like, my new game well, room I mean, is like already chock full, and I have to be very specific of what I can buy now. Cause I can't fit. Yeah, my, my shelf is like run completely out of room. Um, and <laughs> I promised myself I would have stopped, uh, collecting the pop vinyls, but, uh, now that I'm doing the pop vinyl videos and Vigilant Geek. Uh, now you're obligated to? Yeah, I mean, you can't, that's not like twisting my arm too hard. Yeah, so, it's just an excuse to. Not eventually. Eventually the collector series will probably take a bit of a turn and turn into anything that I feel like collecting at any given moment in time. Yeah. So, but yeah, what else? What other videos? We're going to probably do some Let's Plays. We have a, a lot we of... We have the Paxi's video, which Paxi's, is going to be our first video. Paxi's is going to be out Monday. And second or third video. Or yeah, something like that. This is part two. Yeah. Uh, we got some unboxings filmed and ready. We're game room tours. Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna release that. I did a game room tour of my old place because I wanted to remember it, and I don't know. I haven't looked at the footage, so I gotta see if it's any good or not. Well, you need 
Well, you need to do one now. My new room. Those of you who don't know, Bradley Orm has one of the finest collections of N64 games, controllers, and systems that I've ever seen. Oh, you, you should go on YouTube and see some of the the more the nicer yeah, ones. Yeah, but you're a real person. I know, yeah. That's different. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> he can drive to your apartment and see your shit. Yeah. You can't go to somebody's place on YouTube. It's like fully cataloged, yeah. like alphabetically... Like and then he goes ahead and he refurb- refurbishes everything. Yeah. yeah. Now, all right. Well, let's just start. How many N64 games are there in the U.S.? U.S. is 296. And how many do you have? Not. They're not talking about variants. That that proves it's more technical. If we have this. Separate yeah. yeah okay. See? So, so how many domestic releases do you have? I know there's still some out there that you just refuse to grab. I don't know. I just haven't really gotten around to it. Yeah. Okay. So there's 296 North American total in the world. There's 388. Uh, in right now, probably North American. I, I, I think I need 40 more. So I have about 250, 256 different N64 games, not including variants and not including, uh, imports. What's the most, What's the rare, most rare N64 game? Okay. This is debated. Um, yeah, there's different, there's, there's different, th- there's, there's two you'll hear. One I don't agree with cause I, I, j- I haven't researched it in a while, but when I did look into it, there wasn't enough information. One is like a European not for resale of Yoshi story, which it, not the not for resale cards are like debatable. I don't agree with that. I think the rarest one is Clay Fighter Sculptor's Cut, which was a blockbuster exclusive. You can get Clay Fighter in 63rd. That was released in stores. Um, but Sculptor's Cut was only, it was a blockbuster exclusive. So that's really hard to get right now. That's a running last I checked. It was. Over four hundred dollars, isn't it? Now? Yeah, it's probably between three fifty and four fifty. Yeah, but I remember when you first started collecting, it was around like a hundred and fifty. No, it was it was more than that. When was it I, more than that? It was lower. Oh, lower than that. It oh, was okay. like sixty or seventy dollars when I first started. Yeah, that you fucked and, up. Man. And then when I even I remember when it was like a forty fifty dollar cartridge, and I just didn't. I was like, oh, I'll get it later. I'll get it later. And then now it's yeah. four hundred and fifty dollars, and I'll probably have to bribe somebody to get it. Blackmail. Yeah. Well, no, you might have to make like a bit of a trade deal. It's hard. Package some things and then hopefully you have something that's of equal value or the the only thing I have of equal value right now in my collection is something I will never get rid of and it's something I just bought. (laughs) And that's the N64 disk drive. That I will never get rid of. Yeah, see, that's such an ex- obscure thing. Even not like I didn't know it existed until you posted a picture of it on so, Facebook. So, um, it was it was announced in the U.S. They had games they announced for. Actually, I believe I might be wrong, but I believe Ocarina of Time. It was either Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask or both. I'm not sure. Were both announced for it? Um, there were a lot of games that were supposed to come like for there it. was supposed to be an Earthbound 64 game released on it. Um, so there was a lot of games that were announced for it that never got released onto it. Um. When they did finally release it, it was only a mail, like, it was a mail order thing. It had a very limited store release. Um, there's only about 15,000 out there. Um, it, so it was only in Japan. It was a mail order thing to get. There's only nine games for it. Um, how many games do you have? I've had one for like two years. And I just finally was able to find a good deal on the actual system and just kind of bit the bullet and just did it. This is like geeky Indiana Jones. Style. Uh, yeah, and and I, Craig and I had we filmed an unboxing for it, and we had never seen one before in person, and that was the first time we each saw one in person, and it's actually really heavy and uh, really actually it was a lot of fun playing with it. We can't read Japanese, but we figured it out. 
So yeah, because the and, game you have for it is like it's a Mario Paint sequel essentially, but it's like Mario Artist. Uh, it's like an animation studio. Yeah, it's it's like an animation thing, so you can make your own like videos and make your own avatars. It's really silly, and uh, we do plan on making some video content with it in the future. Oh boy, that's oh cool. Boy. You, you, found you, you found a way to go ahead and jailbreak the N64, and uh, I remember what was it? Uh, I came over one weekend. I think it was when you were showing me your your old apartment when it was your new apartment, yeah. and. Uh, and you showed me this uh, this fighting game. Was it the mech one? Yeah, the mech yeah. one. Like how many how many Japanese uh, release games that were just exclusive to Japan do you have? Uh, probably a dozen. So yeah, because you found a couple around here, but uh, most of the time it's it's Craig. He, yeah, he, whenever I go to Seattle, there's a uh, there's a specific. It's, it's called Pinkerella. And it's, uh, this particular one is in the international district in Seattle. And they get a lot of import games traded in. So whenever I'm there, I, I, I basically get a budget from Brad on how much money I can spend at his. So, <laughs> yes. So, so he's cool. like a hundred dollar budget. I'm in Seattle. It's like, oh boy, I can spend money. That's not really mine. <laughs> so I can just buy shit. It makes yeah. Me feel and, better. and hey, it beefs up my collection, especially my import one, which is. Cause they're usually pretty cheap. Like a lot of the games are like yeah, four dollars for like all the terrible sports, well, like the little yeah, baseball ones. Yeah. The yeah. Ones. Oh, geez. And they'd be like, they're just representing all the Japanese cities. I don't even think that. I don't even know. I haven't actually played any of them. <laughs> yeah, it's like an, it's like an anime themed, uh, baseball game. I forget what it's even called, but there's like a, there's probably like 10 releases for the N64 of that, just that series, right? What, the baseball? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's, it's, it's essentially their Madden. Like we had like five Maddens. They got like five baseball games. Um, yeah, they well they make like weird games like one like remember Mr. Mosquito and Seaman yeah, and then like C-Man. eventually they're gonna make up stuff like uh like a laundry folding simulator. You wanna? You mean like, you haven't hey. played laundry folding simulator yet? No, no oh. I haven't. I thought I just made it up. It's, the, it's all the rage on Steam right now. That idea. Yeah. So um, oh we got I got Densha to go. Yeah. That's the best. The train. Game. It's a train simulator and it's actually like really big in Japan. Apparently, it's like an actual legitimate like series and it's on all the major platforms um but i got the the controller like this the specific controller for it it. it's this huge it looks like a like an yeah and it looks like it has a cup holder which is what i thought it was originally and i did some research it's actually because you're a conductor and conductors have pocket watches it's for you to put your pocket watch down on it so you can make your train on time and it's the dumbest game ever (laughs) but we've played it and it's terrible it is certainly something yeah that Pax, did you learn anything about any indie games? I thought I heard something about a sequel to uh, Limbo. But uh, yeah, that's called Inside. That just came out. Uh, uh, well, it's, I'm sorry, it's coming out on PC tomorrow. I think. I didn't even know about this. Yeah, I, I just heard about it the other day. Like, I was some people talking about this game called Inside. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, I read an article about it on Vice of yeah. all places. And um, it's like Limbo on steroids. Now, I, I was I was looking for it, but it's not on the PlayStation Network yet. I think yet. it's on. Is it on Xbox? One right now, I think. I think it might have had like a timed exclusive, but it's on something or people have review copies. I have no idea, but it's coming out on Steam. Like I'm pretty sure on the seventh, which is tomorrow as of right now. So I'll be all about it. Yeah, me too. Like, um, I I used to. Well, I'm not as in independent games as I used to, but I mean, I played a lot of good ones. Um, that was probably the one that made me fall in love with the the smaller. You you stuff. showed me Limbo. I remember. No, I did. Well, then you showed me Braid, even though I could never beat oh, that game. I just couldn't wrap my was, head around. That was that balls. was the game that got me back into video games. Was that game? I mean, I've talked about it in our podcast probably two or three times now. I stopped playing video games when the Wii came, like halfway through the, the Wii's life cycle. 
And then uh, a friend showed me Braid, and I was like, you got to be shitting me. This game looks awesome. And the story is just like a mind fuck. Yeah, the ending you, of that game is amazing. Which you wouldn't expect out of a 2D platformer. No. Especially when it was released, because it really, to me, it was like the first, like, the, the jumpstart to the indie games and, like, 2D platformers. Even though it's not really a platformer, it's more puzzly. But it's like, a puzzle platform, right? Yeah, yeah it's, but, I mean, I, I don't like, really consider, it's not like a Mario game. It, it looks like a Mario game, but it's not. No, no. The, 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 the puzzle aspect heavily weighs into your platforming. Right. Yeah, because I, I remember... Uh, it directly affects your platforming. Right. I remember when that came out, we were, uh, I was, we were at a friend's... I was at a friend's house, and we used to do with uh, these terrible things called 24-hour game days. And, yeah, I'm so glad I never did one yeah, of those. Yeah, and we would just start, like, I don't know, on noontime on a day, and we would try to go until noontime the following day. And we'd all... That sounds like a terrible labyrinth of... Yeah, but like we would, br- I would bring like, like I it was just like a land party, but like I brought like my TV over and like consoles and like a library of games and just play games. And the one, the first time we did it, Braid was coming out like on Xbox Live Arcade like that morning. So I think at like three in the morning I paid for Braid and I was like passing out trying to play this like yeah, puzzle no, you, was, like Ugh. no, that's that's a game you need to be like fully all you rested. Just news jump over. Yeah, and it wasn't working, and I because I couldn't think at that time. No, so. yeah, no, no, like that's it's not a great game to like play nope. if you're like planning on getting inebriated in any way, shape, or form. Yep. And then I don't know. I figured out most of the puzzles in that game the very first time when I played Limbo, and uh, and some of them like you just got to go on YouTube. Yeah. I don't know, so I really can't wait for the sequel. Yeah, me. Have either of you played Axion Verge? Uh, the Metroidvania type game? Yeah, I, I have it on mm-hmm. the PS4. I, um, I like it, but I did not... Pl- I played, like, maybe two hours of it. The atmosphere of the game's crazy creepy, which, like, I'm sure a lot of people love. But, like, like that's like a game I had to, like, take breaks. Yeah, it's kind of weird, because you're just a dude, and there's, like, you get all these powers. It's like, oh, this is not like Metroid yeah. at all. No, but you, it is. you... It's weird. You're, you're this guy in the future, and then all of a sudden, this place where you're doing, like, lab experiments, and something goes wrong, not on, like, Half-Life, and then the next thing you know, you're in this Metroid-esque platformer, and it's at the same... I still can't... I, from what I've heard, people do speed runs of, runs of oh, yeah. this game. Like People do speed runs of any game, like, honestly. No, I, they do, yeah. I mean, well, uh, yes, it is. It is incredibly obvious to say that. I just can't comprehend doing that myself because when I play those games, like I'm so careful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to move around. I'm dying myself too, and it's just like, I couldn't even imagine yeah. a game like that. Oh god, it took me forever to get used to that. Like one game that's really good at like helping you get over that is is the original Bioshock. Like because I remember after the first part, which was like the creepiest part, but after that, it's just like oh, well, you can die all the time and it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, that's. That was kind of a broken and part then, of the game, but whatever. It didn't bug me. Cause I, well, I, really I, think, I think they did that on purpose. I mean... To make it more approachable well, for like, people? Well, like, people aren't going to want to play your game if, like, you die three times and then all of a sudden you're just screwed. Well, like Mario? Like, the, like, the ability to save is the greatest thing that ever happened in video gaming, period. Like, there's so much more things. They can go in-depth on the story. Like with before, with like the codes and stuff, where you'd like type in this strange number letter combination. Like those those days were grim, uh, but like now people could just kind of pick up where they left off, and they don't have to feel the terrible pressure. Like uh, I don't know. Like the older games are so draconian. Like like no one like today's age of video gamers would never be able to handle like the original Mega Man. Oh God, no! I can't. I can't even do it now. 
Like I'm terrible at video games. I'm only good at certain ones. I feel. I I, I the yeah. only the only game that I'm good at in is Banjo Kazooie. And, and you're better and you're better than me at it. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, there's, I don't know, N64 had some of the best platformers I've ever Oh, absolutely. Played. Between Mario 64, and then I can't believe I never got my hands on Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, so good. Conker's, Conker's Bad Fur Day. Like, that's, that's why I want to get myself, I used to have an N64, and then events happened, or I no longer had one. But, like, I'm looking into kind of getting another one, and then I'm kind of in the market for, like, a shitty box television to properly play the damn thing. Man, if only we had those things available. <laughs> yeah, right now. No, we already had this conversation before. <laughs> this is Brad's TV's too big, and I'll probably end up buying the N64. Yeah, if you go to, like, Goodwill, you could probably just find, like, a cheap tube TV for, like, really cheap. Ten bucks, yeah. yeah. They, they can't get rid of those things sometimes, so worth a shot. Uh, Goodwill or Savers or something like that. Yes. Well, I, or yard I sales, like or just when you're driving down the road, you might like, see a like, free sign. Like, okay, so the CRTVs that I have, I've picked up three of them now. One I have, one Craig has, and the other one is just sitting at my, my space, which I don't use. It's just collecting. It's just collecting. wants a 100 pound, 27 inch TV. Well, people do, they just don't want to drive to get it because it's not and worth it. Carried up three flights of stairs, yeah. like in my case, if I have my brother do it. Well, I, I felt bad when I moved. I carried mine down from the third floor, <laughs> put it in my car, drove it, and brought it up to my by myself because I was like, I'm not making anybody move this because yeah. it's a dink move. Yeah, for me, it would just be like, it's going to live down here if I can't get it upstairs myself, <laughs> and it would just be whatever. It's necessary for playing old video games, in my in my mind. Well, yeah, no, for vintage gaming. I mean, well, that's not going to help you. You, all, you don't want to all stretched out and shitty unless you want to spend a ton of money on, like, Scart cables and yeah. converters and such, which is just you know, just just yeah. just pick up an old TV on the side of the road. I mean, I'd never be able to collect every game, but I still get, like get my hands on a couple of them. But Brad, you told me about this. Tell me all like all about this. Like you can have buy a cartridge that somehow has every domestic release. on Okay, there. so what it is? It's a flash cart. So it's an N64 cartridge with a SD card slot essentially. It's the one I have is called the EverDrive 64 and they make there's a whole line of EverDrive cartridges for they range from NES, Super Nintendo, Genesis, uh you can get them for the Master System. Um he has a whole, the I think they they just released I th- I could be wrong. I think they just released one for the Turbo Graphics, which is odd. I saw one on the side actually, yeah. It, yeah. It is a thing, I'm pretty sure. So, so it's a flash card, so essentially it, it, you can load ROMs onto it. So you have to download the ROMs, you have to go out and find the ROMs and download them yourself and put them on there. But yeah, I have one, the EverDrive 64, I have like Model 3.0, which the only thing it really adds and you don't even need it if, if from 2.0 to 3.0, it has an internal clock. Which allows you to play one game on the NCC4. It was released in Japan. It was the original Animal Crossing. The original Animal Crossing, we got it on GameCube. The original was on the NCC4 in Japan. Really? Yeah, really? and it utilized an internal clock, which had on the cartridge. So the EverDrive 3.0 has that internal clock, so you can play it. Um, but yeah, um, it comes. It comes. The only thing it comes preloaded with um, is actually it has an NES. Um, emulator built into it. So you can actually play your NES games on the N64 if you wanted to. I don't see why you would. It doesn't make sense to. If you don't have an NES, I guess it's an all-case. I guess. Um, they're kind of pricey. They're a couple hundred dollars. I think, uh, 180, I think mine was. My cartridge. So it's, it's a lot of money. It's an investment, but for me, it was perfect for what I was using it for, which is, uh, and dedicated cabinet I have, have a, yeah, I have a dedicated, essentially, an arcade cabinet for N64. In my game room. 
as well as I collect all of them. Yeah. It's just redundant and no, I unnecessary. Was if you were going to like slow down collecting the cartridges after you Yeah, you, I remember you were worried. You're like, you can't stop. I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to. Don't worry. Like, Get that after you're done as like your tr- no. trophy. That took me like two weeks to load all the ROMs on there. And I, I have, I've only done the North American. So there's 200 and I think I have like 298 games on there. Cause I put, uh, Majora's Mask, or no. Ocar- I put Ocarina of Time Master Quest on there too. For shits and giggles. Master Quest. That that was supposed to be the harder version of Ocarina. Yeah. What they do? They just pretty much reset the dungeons into something a little bit different. Yeah. Right? Basically, the entire game is the same except for the dungeons. Like pa- the puzzles. The field, everything's in the same spot. Um, but yeah, the dungeons are the puzzles are just different. So you go through different orders of rooms and things like that. So. Oh, so people who would just replay it, replay it, replay it can just go ahead and do replay it. But it's you know, play, right. You're, it's familiar but different, which is kind of cool. I've only beaten it once. Yeah, me too. Then, uh, they the 3DS version of Ocarina of Time. They uh, they put Master Quest in it too, but what they did was they mirrored it. So like, oh, that's annoying. What was on the left is now on the right. So it's it's actually really quite difficult because uh, I used to be able to do the Fire Temple like nobody's business, but when they mirrored it, I just have no freaking clue what to do. So <laughs> it, it's actually terrible. So you have to actually. Yeah, I, I got stuck there, and I was just like, I can't do this right now. Yeah. yeah. No, but I used to feel that way. Like, uh, I was playing Majora's Mask, and I I was like hell bent on beating this game, but like I'd have horrible anxiety because of this moon <laughs> that was going to and his big mean face, and I'm like I gotta s- no if I don't save the temple now and I'm like it'd be on the third day by the time I finally get in the temple and I'd be pissed because like oh I gotta find the keys. And then what am I going to do? Might as well find all the great fairy fairies. Otherwise, I'm going to have to go ahead and go through the damn thing place again. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> and then I'd just be freaking out. And I'd be, like, playing the song, like, with my Orcarena to, like, slow down time, like, constantly. Yeah, the game was not easy to be as a kid. I had a very yeah. tough time. Even now, I have a tough time doing it. I've never been able to get into it. It, it's a yeah. very good game once you get it's a it's a points. it's a great premise but not for somebody it's for, it's a great premise for somebody who's jaded with the Zelda formula yeah. which is probably one of the greatest formulas for any game ever and why the hell would you ever get bored of it but hey let's you know sometimes it's cool that they do new stuff and that I actually picked up uh, Twilight Princess for the Wii U and and then uh, I think I got through the Forest Temple, and then after that I was kind of stopped playing because my Wii Mote, my, my Wii U Mote, what's the, the I don't know. Yeah. 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 That. <laughs> the obvious name. It uh, it died on me. Like, does you know? it work at all? Or? No, well, it didn't die, die. It's just the battery ran out when I was playing. Oh, you just lost just interest? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was just like, well, now I have to wait for this to charge up, and I'm like, my my charging cord's not that yeah. long, and I don't want to sit that close to the TV. And, <laughs> Life's hard. And then I was just like, I'll just play a PlayStation, yeah. and, and, and where the controllers like last for several hours. Yeah, I I picked it up myself on the Wii U because I, I haven't played it since the Wii, so it's been almost it's been ten years since I've beaten it. I don't know. I used to be a Nintendo guy, and then I became more of a PlayStation guy. And then I try to give Nintendo a chance because they have franchises that I love, like Zelda and Mario. Yeah, but the Wii U has some good games, but it, the system has a lot of faults, which really held it back this gen. Which <coughs> hopefully they fix with the next one, but I'm skeptical. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's like, they, I mean, they can't do what Microsoft and Sony are no. doing. 
because they 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 both are already doing it and they do it way better than anybody. Uh, Nintendo keeps trying to come up with these goofy ass niche like things, like the motion sensors and the controllers, like really relying heavy on that, and and it just it's it's too much of a gimmick. Yeah, which I think they're learning from their mistakes though, because they tried to make the Wii U, the Wii Two, but calling it that was just a bad. Yeah, that was the worst thing because people didn't know it was a new system. People thought it was like an add-on to the Wii, and it's not. It was its own. If they called the Wii Two, I think it would have done would have performed better. Not much. No, not not a ton because I think people were done with the Wii when the Wii was like done. But I think that you know people thought you know because they sold a shit ton of systems. The Wii did phenomenally and it gave Nintendo a ton of money because they were profiting off of every damn system that they ever sold and I think it sold like a hundred at least a hundred million units don't look at me I don't know yeah so um so I think that they just wanted to try and capitalize on that which was just like no so they're financially stable but just like serious gamers are disappointed in them yeah I mean I I definitely think there's they're still they still do great stuff I mean I I really like the Wii U like I said but there was no third party support like which is a I, huge, I mean, for Nintendo, since you're buying for third party is wrong, but there's still like good games that could have come out for it, but that didn't because they wouldn't have sold because right. Nintendo fans only buy Nintendo games usually. And then and then they're neglecting all their awesome franchises that nobody cares about that I yeah. care about. Like, I mean, they finally yeah. released a new Star Fox game. Yeah, yeah. I I want to see a new F Zero, which we probably never will see, but yeah, I want that to will make money. No, but I want. I would. I would. Maybe possibly think about toying with the idea of coming over to play it with you <laughs> if, if they had it on a system yeah what playing the wii u you mean i don't know playing the new f-zero game oh yeah yeah actually try something modern N- new yeah new games Ugh. Gross. Ugh. yeah mm, nobody so. likes those down yeah we kind, of, we kind of got sidetracked there for a while i know yeah we did. We, you were teaching me all about PAX East, and then we started about other things that you know a hell of a lot yeah, about. I went to um, and such and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. I got my list here. Uh, the the pin collecting. Yeah, and because uh, it's just 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 you got to be in the, the you know the edge of your seat with this one. These yeah, are, I know. these are ex- it's, it's, these are exciting. Get, get ready, guys. Okay. Um. So at PAX, because it's Penny Arcade, they started their little pin collecting thing because they were inspired by Disney World, so they call it Penny Arcade. <laughs> so essentially, most of the pins are just based off of like Penny Arcade characters, and I mean, there's over 15 years of comics that they have. So they have like all kinds of shenanigans and shit that they've done over the years, and they just kind of incorporate into pins over time. So like every pack, you get like a, a four pin set that releases. Sometimes they do a themed after like the city it's in, and like you know they had a Boston theme one last year, and Seattle has like they were a bunch of hipsters, things like that. So, um, but they also get. Uh, video game companies and board game companies to get on board too so like uh, in the past like Sony did one for uh, unfortunately the game sucked but The Order The Order 1886 for the PS4 there's an order pin um, Microsoft did one for Sunset Overdrive um, Nintendo's too cool to do pins so they don't do them because that's just what they do um, so how do you ob- obtain these? Uh, some you get through you, playing demos you make me go sit through panels I that mean, I don't care about you go to panels and you can make your friends sit through panels to get you spares but there was um, a dude. That, but the, you owed me though. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. I owed you for four pins. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was well, this terrible I, panel that you had to sit? Uh, in? Uh, let's get back to this one. Well, there was a, there was a dude that was in Firefly on the panel. Uh, and plus, uh, who who's? I think he was in Firefly. No, the guy who does like Nathan Drake's voice, um, Nolan North. He was on the panel. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, so was that he? was like that's why I was surprised that like I thought this thing was gonna be filled. 
Uh, that's why I sent, you know, uh, pin mules to go get them for me. You and, you and Ket. <laughs> pin pin, pin, no, pin, pin mules. Pin mules. Oh, pin yeah. mules. Pin mules is funny though. Um, oh, yeah, no, yeah. Pin mules are, are um, What's the other term? Pinions is the other one. That's always funny. I'm a pinion. Yeah. Pinions. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I don't know. Yeah, I think that might be the one that yeah. wins out. Um. So, yeah. There's there's panels like I was at a I was at a Witcher panel because the Witcher three had one. So uh, I had to get one from them, and they had two things about the same time, so I couldn't do both. So I made Brad do that. So I got to. It was what's his name? Alan Tudick. Tudick. Oh yeah. 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 He, he was on the panel. Yeah, it was for a game called Masters of Orion, which is apparently like a reboot. It was of a an reboot 80s series. No, no, I know Masters of yeah, Orion. This is a, this is a, it's a turn-based strategy game where when you um, so you you pick a race of uh, aliens and do they have different bonuses for different things? Like uh, there was this one race that could and could colonize any planet because they're just like silicon and disgusting and could live on any number of horrible environments with no problem. And then, like, they'd have other things, like, humans are really good at, like, lying and, and uh, other stuff. And what you do is you, uh, you'd set up, like, what, you, what your economy is going to be on your planet, and then you use the money to go ahead and build up ships and colonize other planets to make more money, and then you build factories, and the colonies keep sending you money, and then you do research to go ahead and improve your weapons. and So it's all turn-based, and then... And then when you get into skirmishes, it'll show your little fleet, and then you go ahead and you make decisions turn-based style, kind of like uh, really old D and D or. Because it sounds like, a, like a another really Starcraft good example. I'm kind of getting out of or like Age of Empires or something. Yeah, but there was yeah, like or, the, I, I, not on like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, but, only you know space. Yeah, the, uh, there was also like a, from what I gathered from the panel. I wasn't, wasn't listening too much. There was actually a guy right behind me sleeping. Like, <laughs> literally it passed yeah. out. Uh, but I guess it's like, there's like an ex- exploration aspect of like universes that you can explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then. But yeah, uh, they re- they're remaking, they're remaking it's me. Like it's like civilization in space. Hmm. Um, I mean, it was, I don't know, I had a lot of fun. It wasn't as complicated as it is now, back when I first played it. How old was the original game for it? I played it. I played the second one for the first time in like 1996, yeah. 1998, somewhere between then. Okay. So it's an old, it is an older game. I just wasn't sure how old. Like it's a, it's a, it's a much older uh, franchise that like a lot of people probably loved, and they just wanted to to play the game again. Yeah. And and it's, it's it's a great time for a lot of different things because uh, the way the it's going. You don't need to go to main creators anymore. There's independent everything now. People are making their own quality games, comic books, board games. Yes. Like you're not like this. What you do with your free time isn't really defined by the mainstream anymore, or it doesn't have to be because this stuff's you lost so much easier to get than it used to. Yeah. I'm trying to oh, here's a here's a picture of what the what the pin looked like. I have I have I mean you might know what that is from the game. I don't know. It's just like kind of this is like. Horrifying looking C3PO sort of thing. So it might, oh. I think it's only from the new oh. game. Wait, is he the golden? No, yeah, yeah, he's the news robot. I learned that robot? from the panel. Okay. Thank you for going because I didn't go to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, I'll yeah so that, that's all I got from that. Um, but yeah, the, like I said, uh, a lot of third parties will do stuff. Um, some will just, like some companies, like, uh, I don't know if you follow webcomics online, but like uh, Scott Kurtz does PvP. Um, he's famous at PAX anyway. 
and uh, he does comics uh, pins for his characters and things like that too. So, but they'll sell them for like some people sell them for anywhere from like ten to fifteen bucks each, varying. So uh, I, but I'm sitting at a full 100 percent collection right now. So yeah, do you keep them all in a case or do you have like a jacket? Uh, I have not called to put them in a jacket. Uh, no, they 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 put them on their scarves. I learned that. Yeah, some people put them on scarves. Those are, like those are people that display them like crazy. I just do like at packs. I'll put like on the lanyards, and I have like a bag. That I have some stuff on, and um, you get, like, I have rad sash. <laughs> but at home, I made like a like a shadow box, and I made a display of like a full year of them, essentially. And I still have to build more, so I they they separate them up like a, like a year, so it's like a series essentially. So like they started in 2013, so like a, I have a 2013 frame, a 2014, 2015, so on, just so it's like a complete year each time. Yeah, and then I imagine those things are kind of. I mean, they're a niche thing, but they probably go up in rarity. Um, the rarest one, it was only given away at a, for a Kickstarter, like when they like before they really got into it. So it's probably like mm-hmm. the maybe tenth pin released. They only made three hundred of them, and on eBay they go for around like fifteen hundred bucks right now. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, see. So I, I happen to get one of those just by chance. They essentially gave me one in a in a random bag of shit. So, uh, yeah. Otherwise, I would not have it. Very yeah. nice. And I think like the next closest one in Very value is like two hundred bucks, which is a Leroy Jenkins pin from World of <coughs> Warcraft. So, oh yeah, no, I, that was like one of the very first videos to ever really go oh, viral. Yeah, yeah I just hit it. I remember it's like ten years old now, or like nine years old, like a month ago yeah. or so. Yeah, like yeah, like the guy's not even that great on the <laughs> game, and they're having him like play as an announcer on some esports. Yeah. Uh, just because esports. Yeah, they're like, hey, we need the guy who's like, at least I'm not a chicken. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> but they, they get their, they're doing a raid and they're like, they're, they're running through all the numbers and all of a sudden the, the guy just runs in and like triggers every single creep in the room. Yep. <laughs> so that's like, that's like my big thing to do with packs is like try to complete those. I, I made a ton of friends at packs just from collecting them. So we, we have fun and, uh, I've done panels based on it too, just to kind of like spread knowledge and, uh, build the community and things like that. So it's, it's fun. It's a, well, it's a cool. fun pastime and a good money sink too, I guess. Spend enough money on this shit. Yeah, I got, I don't see Craig all weekend. Yeah, he's just like pens, pens, pens. Yeah, pens. Well, it's also people I only see like pens, those like tax weekends. Yeah, we're gonna. We're, there's uh, I'm I'm working with some uh, some producers and we're gonna we're gonna shoot a uh, a pin nature documentary <laughs> that on, the, uh, on the pin collectors. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we'll like Steve Irwin style. Now, I think because uh, I know a few people will listen to this. Not can't spoil it, Brad. You can't this, spoil it. This one? It's going to be hilarious. People, yeah. people, who, who listens to the vision? I'm going to listen to the podcast. I'm going to tell them about this. Yeah, we'll, we'll plug it. All, all four I'll, people that I know. Yeah. Hey, we have 12 subscribers, so. You know what? Oh, that, that's yeah. eight I more than I thought we had. Yeah, we were pretty close to that number two. We were at uh, 13, but we might be at 14 Ooh. now. Yeah, moving on up. Crazy. Um... What other Paxi shit can we talk about? That's good. Well, what about the stuff that you know is there but don't really like have too much of an interest in? Like, don't they? Do they ever really do big announcements for actual games? Yeah. Um, and and like, what indie games should we like people be looking forward to? Uh, I didn't see it at Pax, but I know that you did. Uh, we Happy Few. Yeah, We Happy Few is uh, by a company called Compulsion Games. Their first game was a game called Contrast, and I just I don't I. I saw it at PAX Contrast when it before it was released, 
and the premise seemed really, really cool to me. It was essentially you play as this little girl's imaginary friend and it's kind of like a, a platformer. Um, and you can be with her in like the 3d realm, but then you can also use shadows to platform. So anything that casts a shadow, you can now walk on it in the shadow world. And it was a cool puzzle platformer. Unfortunately, um, I think what they dated up the company itself, they rushed the game out cause they wanted to meet a deadline. Um, they weren't pressured to, but they rushed the game out and it, it was released pretty glitchy. Um, I know you had issues, Craig, with it as well as I did. Yeah. Um, just certain, like I had to replay a level about four times cause it kept just glitching me out of a level. And when I finally did beat it, it was because of a glitch. I didn't actually beat it. It just, I, it somehow bumped me to the checkpoint and I got through. I was like, okay, whatever. Um, I'd like to replay cause I know they patched it since then, but I, you know, I, I haven't gotten around to it, but yeah, they have a new game called we happy few, which looks really creepy and really cool. And it's essentially about like a, 1950s 1960s like post-apocalyptic um like england where everybody's on drugs yeah and everybody's yeah. on drugs that like makes you uh cheerful and happy yeah and, um it's called happy pills right something like that yeah so, so pretty much like the government is regulating these pills and like you're required to take them and if you don't then you're like they're going to come after you and then you also have to wear a mask and it just looks really creepy of like this like kind of like what is this is like a third first person shooter like what are the it's graphics? a first person it's a first person but there, there's definitely like shooting elements because you uh at like the end of, like they had it at e3 microsoft had it during their press conference and at like the very end of the trailer, they show some combat with like it, I think you took like a pipe or something like that. Yeah, I assume that you have like a gun at some point too. But yeah, it, it, I don't heavily it'll play into the gameplay. You think they're trying to be like Mirror's Edge and try to make a first-person game that isn't completely reliant on the shooting elements? Um, I don't know. Well, that was more like a that was like a parkour simulator. Mirror's Edge is really cool to the original one. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a great original idea, yeah. but it, it's, I mean, it, you could get your hands on a gun, but it was more... It wasn't the focus of the game. Uh, I mean, I guess you could call it a Parker simulator. I always thought of it as more of like a 3D platformer. Yeah. Only just first person. Right. Like, there, there really aren't very many of them, but like, I don't know what you said really is about as well. I, I, Man, we're learning yeah. stuff. But I think it's more story driven, if anything, and then there's some... Yeah. There was gameplay, there, there was like running in the trailer, there's... Whacking people in the face of the trailer. Yeah, I don't lo- really know. It looks really cool. Um, e- even even though their first game was glitchy, I did enjoy their first game. I I kind of was hoping for a second installment of it because I felt like they barely scratched the surface of the mechanic. They could have done. I felt like they they could have done a lot more with it. Um, but this game looks looks really cool. Um, that's definitely something to look out for. There's not much else that I saw that I was excited about. I actually didn't go to the indie mega booth at all because they, they literally have a. Like, the indie mega booth and it's just like this whole booth block after booth after booth of just like this whole area for just indie stuff and it could be from you know two guys who are working on like a little uh, mobile game um, to something like that which is or, or, being published or by transistor or yeah transi- yeah they're I think they have their own booth now because they got pretty big they, they're 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 very close yeah because like Bastion was really popular Transistor's popular they sell a lot of merch so they, they have their own booth outside of the indie booth it's right next door. Close but so so did so did uh like I remember Compulsion Games they when they had contrast they were in the indie mega booth. Yeah. Now they have they had their own big booth and I I wanted to play it but the line was always capped and I I am very against waiting in line for 
two hours yeah. to play fifteen minutes of a game. Wait for the game. To come oh, no, anyway. absolutely. Yeah. Not, yeah, I have waited. But like, long I, I mean, I've discovered uh, a lot of games that I really like there. Um, Octodad, like I said, Contrast was one year. Uh, a game called The Swapper was a really good, um, like side scrolling puzzle game. I don't know. I've been mostly seeing them like, mostly like some, some, some of the best indie games are the uh, the platformers. I feel just because it's something that uh, they they really got away from with the next gen. Yeah, I, I mean, there's 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 one that's coming out which I'm I'm hoping is going to be really good. And they actually just announced a co-op mode, or I didn't realize they had it. Um, a Hat in Time, which is going to be oh, yeah. in the guise of like a, a N64 collectathon, kind of like a Mario 64 or Banjo Kazooie. Um, well, they've been talking about making that for like five years. Well, that game, that game's been in production and, and, and out. You're probably yeah. thinking of like the spiritual successor to Banjo Kazooie. No, no, I know, I remember you telling me about Ukulele. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's happening. Yeah, that's done by the actual people from Rare that made it. Yeah, they, 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 that's like a small indie studio that it's just a couple, a few people making yeah. their own collectathon type game. And this was before Ukulele was announced. This was like years before. And I think that. I don't know. It might be too. It might have been too ambitious. Like, I'm not gonna say it's gonna be bad, but I, I think it's gonna be way overshadowed by ukulele. Yeah, because um, of because of all this the other size. That's yeah, but I mean, I'm still excited about it, and they yeah. have a co-op mode. So, yep. Craig and I will play it together. Oh, <laughs> yeah, nice. I, I would like to try that when it comes out eventually. Because and and that was it. That was at PAX one year. Hat in time. Yeah, I remember. It could, but it, I didn't, I didn't play wait it. for it. Yeah. When you could just pay 20 bucks for the beta and just play it at home instead. Yeah, I'm not even going to do that. My, my time is <laughs> worth way more than, I don't know. An indie game that everybody, every listener out here, and we're not even going to, don't even explain it, but you need to go out, you need to stop what you're doing, and you need to buy it now is Amazing Frog. It's amazing. The amazing Frog. Get, 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 that, get in the beta of that. It is, actually, it's still an alpha, isn't it? Uh, I think it's an alpha. They do yeah. betas for the alphas, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's an early access game on Steam. It's like fifteen bucks, and it's great. That's it. We're done with it. Yeah, Move we're on. Stop talking about that. Just, just check it out. Buy it. We, we promise you'll, you'll probably enjoy it. <laughs> I think, I think we need, we should end the episode on that note. Um, do you guys have things you need to plug? Do it again. It's at the end, so this is the best time to do it. Even though you did it. In the yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely do it at the end. Yeah. Again. Check out our, uh, our. What do we have? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, check out our podcast. It's called the Stop and Swap Cast on iTunes. Um, we also have ch- just uh, be sure to like us on Facebook at Stop and Swap Media, and we got a Twitter and an Instagram that we don't really use at Stop and Swap Media. Um, and lastly, um, as of recording this, in a few days, our YouTube channel will launch. So I believe that's just called Stop and Swap. With our first video. But yeah, uh, if you you can find everything at our Facebook page, we plug everything on that. So. Yeah. Be sure to check that out with our very late but exciting video about packs. So, yeah. awesome. Well, as far as we geeks concerned, you're probably listening to this on the YouTube channel. Uh, check out the blog at visualgeek.blogspot.com. And as always, stay vigilant. Stay vigilant.